0: This is Judy, and this is part two of my interview with JP and Catherine Rao-Rendi, the Emmy Award-winning founders of Earworm Music in New York City. Be sure to catch part one if you missed it. Okay, let's pick up where we left off. Well, okay, I'm going to shift to something uh, very specific here. Okay, how much did you guys have to VSO your songs for Alvin and the Chipmunks?
1: Ooh. So for Alvin and the Chipmunks, that was another project that we got on with our good friend Alana da Fonseca, she and um, her team really handled the vocals. Uh-huh. Uh, and what was Thanks. interesting is that when we started, there was a few songs that Cat became a chipmunk on, uh-huh. and I had I had inquired about them. Like, okay, so I know how the chipmunks were done in the '50s and '60s, and it was such a brilliant thing. So I said, so how do we do it now? Mm -hmm. And it's very, very much similar. Whereas in Pro Tools, I'm sure that you can do it also in other DAWs, but in Pro Tools, there's a variable speed algorithm. So they will sing the song half time and down a step and then bring it up. So it's almost the exact same process Mm -hmm. as they did with tapes back in the day.
0: Yeah. Well, the only other way, I guess, would be like some helium involved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, what's funny is that I'm going to shout out Alana again, because she's been working with the chipmunks (laughs) ever since the resurgence of them with the movies and, and the TV show. I think besides being just a brilliant vocal coach and songwriter and producer, they got the gig because they figured that out. Whereas most people were using just like uh formant and, and that kind of thing to uh-huh. pitch up and, and they weren't getting the authentic chipmunk sound. So she, you know, so, you know, shout out to them for figuring that out and mm-hmm. Michael Klein, who, you know, he was the one that, that, that introduced us to that as well. And uh, yeah, there was a, a few songs that we did where I guess the time crunch between when they, the network needed the song. So we were just like, all right, cat, you're a chipmunk, let's go. So it was great.
0: Love it. We were just talking about how it was a good idea that you didn't have to breathe helium for, for that particular gig.
2: No, that's a serious, amazing <laughs> process that, that they still do. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> I was just explaining that, you know, when Pro Tools, you do the various speed and you go down half speed, whole step. Is it a whole step? It might be a minor third.
2: I w- thought it was a full octave. I guess I'm
0: wrong. Oh, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. The number system. Okay. Here's the thing that's confusing to me. Because it's shorthand, we all get to make up our own rules. It's kind of like dominoes, you know, where you just make up your own rules and everybody has to do that. Okay. How do you deal with six minor? Do you call it a one? Uh, no, I Key I- <laughs> of A minor.
1: Yes. Is that a one? That was the always the only. Me that was- and Kat, I'm sorry to interrupt Kat. Actually, we but heads on that, not in any sort of aggressive way. But I always call it a six, and she's like, "Well, you know, if it's, it's hard the to one read. minor. Yeah, we right. do, but for me, it's always a six, no matter what. Even well, if the key happens to be in A minor, technically, to me, it's still starting on the six, and we're in the key of C.
2: How do you deal with long transitions to key changes, too? Right, oh, yeah. you put the three
0: three letters M O D.
2: that's a good idea like here you know because like we did a song the other day that if we notated it it was like we were going from the key we we did a transition because we were the chorus was in c then the verse was in b because Mm -hmm. it's just the way that it worked out Mm -hmm. but we needed to get back to c um i gotta remember all the core i mean there was like four different chords yeah Get you back. Get you back. Not because it needed to be, though. It's just that's the way that the melody felt like it needed to go. And so I don't know. uh, I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I just if it felt like a major key, like even in a minor song, right? It's not going to be sad (laughs) minor called sad minor. This is like such a nerdy to say. Not a nerdy. It's such like a uneducated way to say it. But whatever. If it's sad minor, (laughs) then you then you then the six is the one. But even within the song, if you're going to be like, if it's going to change into a major sounding minor, you know, with a lot of like six, four, one, six, four, or five, one, you know, if you're gonna do that, then I'm gonna count the one as the one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And it'll change how, how- and and you just like make a big slash, you're like, this is different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know what? For do, me, you, do you I'm- do do you do it's always a six as well? For me, no, yes. no. It's it's whatever's easiest for me to read, uh-huh. unless it's for the band. In that in that case, you know, I'll probably write the six minor, right? Because that's everybody's going to understand it. But it's cor- according to who I'm writing the chart
1: for. You know, it's, but, it's so interesting because I'm more of an instrumentalist because I'm not a singer. Yeah, so therefore, yeah, so you're going to gonna write me it's always minor. a six. I got I got okay. I got it. Yeah.
0: But if it gets too complicated, like with the musical that I'm writing, and you know, I'm writing unusual chord progressions and transitions and all kinds of stuff for, you know, that, that we can do. It's all great fun to do that instead of write a country song, you know, but, when it gets too complicated like that, and and I find some black music too is unbelievably complicated and brilliant. The tapestry is brilliant. It's real complicated, but you don't realize it's complicated when you're listening to it until you try to uh, dissect it. So what I do when it gets too complicated is get the chords out and I just write a chord chart with letters.
2: That's where it runs into like, who is this really for? Because right. if if it's a set key, then that's fine. And for me, as a singer whose tuning is, it, oh, is yeah. irrespective of chords or notes, I'm fine. You know that it I, chromatically
0: anyway, right? I sing There's
2: wherever, right? And so maybe having better perfect pitch now, I could be, I would be closer to wanting to have the pitches. But for like JP, who plays guitar and horns and this and that, like you would be like well what's even the point right like and and that's my question to you is like when you're writing nashville f- numbers for nashville musicians who most of them are fixed pitch instruments right. why do it
0: because well number one it's there are a lot of incredible nashville pickers that you would not know that this was true but they don't know how to read manuscripts
2: oh okay that makes more sense then
0: and it it's like this town has grown up with just play by ear. Yeah. Mm. So that is the truth. You know, I know there, there's an arranger who hates numbers that I mm. know is a very dear friend of mine named Ron Oates. <laughs> he's mm. worked with Gladys Knight and all kinds of people. And he's you know, the your arranger. And, you know, for non-pitched instruments as well, and all of the horns and the, and the strings and everything. Dolly's used him, And he he likes to write it out. But the problem is some of the session players he wants to call who are unbelievably good can't read it.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and the other reason is that when you're doing a lot of sessions, back in the day when a lot of times they'll play a work tape at the beginning of the session and all the musicians will write the numbers down, you know? Yeah. Yes. No time for manuscript. So, and, you know, and if you want to change keys, if in the middle all is, that's a little
2: bit high for the singer
0: to sing, well, I just drop it. And yes. No problem with, yeah.
2: And Nashville, the reason, assumably, so correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that it came to be in Nashville is because Nashville is famous for its country music and tends to be on the folky side of songwriting, which is like you know sit at a guitar and you write the music, yeah, versus. A place that is like New Orleans, like wouldn't have that because they are more jazz based. And when Hi. you're doing like anything else, like you're changing those keys, you're making you're in that murky water between like Hi. modulations and not that Nashville is simple, but its beauties can be in its simplicity. Yeah,
0: and rock music would be the same, and yeah. um, uh, a lot of R and B music, even although yeah. some of it's real complicated. But that's the way Nashville used to be evolved. You know, there's the three chords and the truth kind of thing. That was that was actually real. Mm. It is now unbelievably diverse as far as the music that comes out of here. So so are the musicians, but you know, there's another thing about this one. This is it one or is it six minor? I like roots music almost. Celtic kind of or Appalachian, as well as the other things, that, you know, I love all kinds of music. But a lot of songs I write, I'll tell the musicians no thirds. In fact, I, I've got a mandolin that I play and I play it 1515. It's played G D G D. I I mean, it's tuned. GDGD.
2: Oh, not just it.
0: capo it for changing the
2: key. You know? Got
0: it. And so it sounds very emotionally, sounds very different than the mandolin that's tuned like a violin.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: JB, I, stopped, I, I stopped doing play that. Play. Actually, was a, a buddy of mine from Nashville that was like, dude, why would you do that? So we tuned it in fourths like a guitar and <laughs> I can play a lot of the same a lot yeah. of the same fingerings. Yeah. And he's like, don't do that to yourself, man. Just, you know, because, again, in Nashville, when I've been there to to produce, it's all about efficiency and let me tell you, the musicians, I've the musicianship in Nashville, there's nothing like it. It's yeah. the most amazing thing. Really yeah. And Kat, similarly to what you were talking about, when you're coaching singers, will they just come up with stuff? I mean, when you have a whole band, it's like you have seven other co-producers that are like, Fact. hey, let me try this. And you're like, oh, my God, that bass line just made this song. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's the best.
2: Right. So it's not simplicity. It's being able to like add the complexity because you are all speaking the same language right. and you're able to write it down so efficiently that they are able to use that, that saved time for making the song. And somehow like those, the, like all the songs are all the, not tracks, but all the music from the band is so still somehow so unique within those, you know, mm-hmm. um, one, four, five, six, you know, yeah. torts that maybe yeah. will right for them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you probably agree with me that if you are a singer, you're going to have to wear a lot of hats if your career is going to be very long. So the best thing to do is almost like the triple threat, like, well, can, I, I can sing and I can act and I can dance. I think singers need to know if, if at all possible, also how to read manuscript and how to do head charts where they can just sing a third over this. Okay. You know, or fifth, you know, make that note a flat seven, make that note a sharp four, whatever it is, and you can do it. Or write half charts. These are like when you're on the session, and maybe you know you can tell a singer to sing the fifth, sing a part over the melody or something, and then but on then this section, this is exactly what I want, and then you write numbers. Like I'll write a trio of numbers: one, three, five, you know, seven, two, five, whatever it is, and. And I'll write that. And the singers need to be able to read it. Mm-hmm. So it's like read head charts, read manuscript, or be able to just make it up in your head and be able to do anything that you need to do for the session you're called for.
2: Absolutely. Or and the same goes the for our, the, the backup vocal like area. You need to be able to sing. You need to be able to dance a little bit. And you need to be able to do those things on the fly because not manuscript per se, but need to be able to pull those thirds. I was doing a show.
1: I don't um, know. I don't know about dance. Like you could just do well, the. You do. <laughs> you do. You do.
2: I was trying to figure out what song it was while you were speaking, because we were, we were singing back up for Gloria Gaynor. Oh, and yeah. it was originally going to do, and it was for like a Madison square garden concert where they were like, literally it was, it was a, I used to do the miracle on 34th street concerts from K W K T U, which was like the dance station, but they would always
1: K-T-U.
2: Yeah, they would always, David Guest, who was marrying Liza Minnelli at the time that I knew him, he just loved older music. And we, by, by the way, sang up back up at their wedding and we sang with oh. all those artists. Like the Doobie Brothers were oh. singing, like all the wedding songs they that you would imagine would be at a, a at wedding in the year 2003 were all the artists because they all knew him and they all sang them. But anyway, we were doing a Gloria Gaynor, we were going to do I Will Survive. And at the last minute, she just decided she wanted to do, yeah, it was I am what I am. So we all had to, first of all, because there were three women and two men. And so we were in the middle of like rehearsing for something that we had the music for, whatever. But we had to listen to the song on the spot. And we had five hours between the learning it and singing it. Uh-huh. And also singing for 20 other different artists. Oh. And we had to write our and there's like a little bit of ego involved, but we had to, re- we had to decide who's singing soprano, right? Yeah, yeah, and who's yeah, singing yeah. who's singing alto and who's singing second soprano. And so we had to decide that on the spot, right? Because I was new, I was like 19 years old and I'm like, I, I, I don't know, I was like, I was like, I felt weird about, about saying, I will sing the first soprano, you know, yeah. like I, I, they're so famous. And I was, they were like all the people from 20, 20 feet from stardom yeah. and me, like, but So we had to write our harmonies on the spot, write them because not because we were doing a different arrangement of them. So we were free to make the changes a little bit, but decide our parts, write our parts out and without any manuscript paper, write, you know, print out, get a printed lyric sheet and do those things. And that's what you are expected to be able to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you could do that. And that happened to us a number of times we were doing, natural woman for uh, a different show. I think it was, it was fashion rocks Mm -hmm. and the, the day of the show wanted to do natural woman. And we were like, all right, well, here we go. I'll sing this part. You sing this part. And that was more the obvious ones, but you have to be able to like, if you're, especially if you're an alto, altos are always the ones that are more musical because they have the middle part to be. Yeah. Cause that part's the hardest one to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like in, in school, you know the the best singers are always put on soprano for to be melody, but like the real like hardcore musicians are always the altos.
0: Well, if you you know what it, it, what I find is that altos and this has been session singing definitely as well, but altos can usually sing wider range songs. Yeah. They have a wider range yeah. than sopranos because of the shape and density of their instrument that they can sing as low as they can yes. if, if they have the technique to. But they can also, if they're using good technique, they can also sing sometimes higher than sopranos. Yeah. Like a a step or so. So, But what makes it necessary for them to sing alto a lot of times in a session is because of the tone. They Mm. have a different timbre. And so the group sounds better with a little brighter sound on top Yes. a little darker sound in the middle or richer sound in the middle. Or for other artists... You want to flip them. I I was in a lot of trios and and different and sang with the same people a lot of times for sessions, and sometimes for certain artists we would have the tenor on top. Yeah, because that's the sound they want, and the, or I they think that, the producers- like natural
2: woman is a good example of how yeah. you'd want a thicker voice on top and a thinner yeah. voice on bottom, which which is counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And tenor, tenors, tenor's on roller course, skates. skates.
0: Yeah. yeah, the other thing is, of course, with voiceover and with session singers, session brats, we have to be able to change the 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 contours of our throat channel to create different types of tone, even Paper. lower or wherever we're playing. We have to be able to place it on purpose. So, and that's, that's just, it's a lot of fun, but guys that are listening, if you want to do session work, you really need to learn to be variable and movable. And so that if you are being too dark or your resonance is too rich or your resonance is too bright, you can change the contours of your throat channel to be able to change that sound. And then so then within three people, you got all kinds of possibilities of sound that you can experiment with, right?
2: That's probably my favorite part of being a singer. And it's the reason yeah. why I'm really glad that I am not a, a recording artist because like not only sonically and and song, you know, like genre wise and song wise, but sing. like you can't do that. You can't sing like this in one sentence and then be like this in one sentence and then and like be. 20 different types of people like when jp and i were writing a song for baby shark we had to do a demo for cardi b and like you gotta uh, going back to like being respectful to them we we would either have to hire somebody or we'd have to sing like cardi b and like i got to do that and it was and it's like the best thing ever because you you step into their body yeah and like the you know the most respectful way possible get to sing like them and like jingles same thing with jingles you right. can be 20 people in one day it's so cool
0: one of the hardest things in my career was singing with dolly because i think people have favorite rhythms there's just naturally like some people are more r b some people are more bluegrassy you know some people have a, a faster feel for vibrato if you get a tempo too slow they can't sustain it, but if you get a tempo too fast for someone with more with more of an r and b thing uh natural thing, if you get it too fast, we can't set up for it. you know mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. with Molly, I had to be like totally opposite myself <laughs> because she's she's fast, she's moving on to that next note, and so if you're a stunt singer, you just learn to change you learn to be fast on your feet and change as much as possible.
2: She's like a hummingbird like yeah, in the she's winter, like a hummingbird, she's in her amazing. voice. Yeah. And yeah. she's got, she's like got an incredible powerhouse of a voice, but it's thin. Like that's it's amazing. It's mic friendly.
0: You know, that's another thing. Very that, that much know. so. Oh yeah. If yes. you sing real loud, the mic's going to shut you down. The gear's going to shut you down. If you sing lighter, the mic opens up like, you know, it loves you. I noticed that at, at, when I was an artist, I was doing a master and I could not get my voice sounding as rich as I knew I was singing. Mm-hmm. And and it coming back over, it just kept disappearing into the band. And I didn't know why. Well, now I do. The reason was I was singing too hard and the the gear was compressing it. You know, it had to because I was peaking the meters and I guess the engineer didn't know how to capture it right or something. But, but yeah, like Karen Carpenter back in the old days, way before you guys were born, she, she's really didn't sing very loud at all. But her, you know, her resonance, the mic picked it up and magnified it for days and the same thing with a lot of singers that you might be surprised about so it's working the mic it's another reason classical singers have problem problems with mic singing because they're too loud and it shuts them down it's hard to capture what they're doing you know
1: that's martina's awesome. like that you know she's really able to work the mic fantastically
2: that's profound by the way for me like that's going to go deep for a very long time <laughs> vocal coaches on TikTok that like give, you know, some hints and some tips about what you can do to make your voice. A- and a lot of people talk about Ariana Grande because she can go to these lengths and she sounds, and it's the same thing like with the rock screaming, right? You I- think that they're going hard and you think Ariana is going in her full voice. And I was not able to get her notes. And I was like, what's going on? It's go-? Like, I I thought I could, I thought I was just like, t- but then somebody on TikTok was like, no, you, you got to, it makes sense knowing it now, but like you use your mixed voice, but it doesn't sound like that because it's a record. I don't know. I've never heard it saying live, but
0: I call it pulling instead of pushing. Yeah. Yeah. And different, different coaches call it a different thing, but you discover it and you're, you know, when the posture, yeah, you pull this way so that the, you're almost singing out the back top of your head. My you old vocal coach
2: used to say like this. He said that you have like a string and you pull that string because you don't want to go. You don't want to reach for a note. Right. And I used to think because he taught me yeah. you sit down on the note for every note. And but what I realized with her is that like you have to. Yes. He yeah. always said this posture, and so sometimes that does mean like reaching a little bit.
0: Yeah. For me, it's pulling back, like if okay. your face was a square, pulling back in a couple of inches like that, like I'm going.
2: I didn't know that.
0: Oh, yeah. And that instantly expands the throat channel, which gives you yeah. more resonance instantly. So and it also is the absolute cure for vocal strain. Yes. And so, you know, it's a magic trick. It's,
2: yeah. smoke, it's smoke mirrors. mirrors. It really is. Celine Dion, when she goes up for a high belt, she's like, you yeah.
0: know.
2: I think that that's just like, that's how they get up there. Yeah. I think I broke my other mic. This is JP's mic. JP just ordered a, nu- a new mic because I think I might've messed up the diaphragm. Was- on- yeah, the
1: actually, you know, what's interesting, you know, Judy, seriously, like you're giving us pearls today.
2: Right. Um, awesome. Gold.
1: For sure. Awesome. There's been, there's been many, many songs that we've done and and we wanted a gritty, gritty tone and cat i think you might have blown that diaphragm out on that other <laughs> mic for sure yeah because we no, kept, what, what was interesting <laughs> is that you know cuz cat records her own vocals and and we use the universal audio like she's got a, a apollo twin i have it a I, we you know it's it's interesting is that if we were to do this interview 5 years ago i would tell you about my needs and my LA 2A compressors. We'll I like
2: the Neves in LA 2A. I don't have any console.
1: gear anymore. The Universal Audio stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she kept on saying, "Jay, it sounds distorted." And I'm like, "All right." So I would come in there and I would I would mess around with her preamp settings and the compressor. I'm like, "It's impossible to sound distorted. We're not even." Cl-. And it, yeah, yeah, you you yeah. busted oh God, that. So you excited. busted that diaphragm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judy, yes, when it, you
1: it, sing, you're on an SM seven B right now, uh-huh. do you do you record vocals on that as well? Yeah. Or I yeah. do
0: background vocals that end up on records. Yeah. And, and you, I I mean I, cloud, I don't mix What what
1: is it called? I, a cloud a cloud lifter? Yeah, I do. I've got a cloud yes. lifter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because okay, it sounds fantastic.
0: Thank you. Great. Well, I didn't know. I mean, when the pandemic started, I stopped my studio work and that's it was like cutting off an arm for me because, you know, I didn't want to be an engineer and I didn't have any. All I had was like the old cassette players, you know, and and my phone voice memo thing. Well, I guess by by the pandemic, it was voice memo thing. But anyway, somebody told me, like, get this, you know, an engineer that I trusted and I got it and I had to learn how to use it because it was a pandemic. Pandemic and I had to, couldn't have anybody come in here and I did and didn't know until I actually did it I had to learn what I was looking at with the form and now I don't know how to do MIDI files with my piano and all kinds of stuff like that you know and I never wanted to do that before but it's become so incredibly useful and and I can send files from this little you know I mean I used to use as an artist I wanted a C12 okay what which
2: Many thousands yeah. of dollars, yeah, huh? But oh, or telefunken. yeah.
0: I don't, you know, if I'm doing a lead vocal for a record, I, although I have done that, and I was a step out on a record, and it, I think it got a Grammy nomination for Americana kind of stuff. But it, it's amazing what you can do with so little money
1: these mm-hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, what like the mics that we're using now because we've had we've had the you know U eighty sevens and
2: KM eighty fours for a very brief time. That was a weird yeah
1: yeah yeah, that was cool. But we find that the Slate Digital Modeling mic, which she has and I have in in my studio, yeah, I'm telling you, you you get that you can get that C twelve for sure because then what you do is you pop it on and we go through the modeling and. They're really real. If, if it's not exact, it's it's so yeah. close. It's so close. So there's that's a the, lot of times where we're working on a project where if there's like a, a retro sound, yeah. I will switch, you know, maybe you put her on a, a 251 or even an old RCA ribbon. Uh-huh. And um, we just have, it's like a unlimited mic locker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, definitely look into that for sure. Yeah. It's the the Slate Digital ML. One, I think. I, I don't know. We'll send you this thing. It's really Okay. Cool.
0: And I'll put that in the podcast notes for everybody out there too. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, I think I could talk to you for two weeks. Yeah, about stuff oh, my God, same. It's, it's oh, we, we should definitely do this again. Yeah. It's hard to find somebody that's done as extensive an amount of studio stuff as you guys have. And also, I love your like-minded spirits. And like, you know, we help each other. We really, we trade you know, I love musicians, especially when we trade stuff. You know, we trade information, the things that we've learned about everything, what singing about gear, about playing, about producing, about everything. You guys, I, you know, just falling in love with you and it didn't take but an hour. So
1: <laughs> I Thank hope we so can. I know that now Kat's gonna be singing out of the side. Oh my god.
2: No, I'm like like to everything <laughs>
1: next time I get mad at the kids and I have to raise my voice, I'm gonna do that too. Oh really? yeah.
2: Get over here. Exactly. <laughs> you pull them
0: like a magnet. Be the magnet, not the blowhard. <laughs>
2: well, listen, they always say that for parents, like the best thing is not to yell, is to just be a whisper quiet. Because yeah. that's like what... Don't yell called? it. Spell it. Yeah.
1: But I heard this really quickly before you and, and, and both mm-hmm. of you. Whispering's bad for your voice, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. Loudly. It
2: dehydrates the cords. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. It's, like, it's like putting a fan over your voice. Yeah. It's, uh, anything, it'll okay. dry it out, right? That's the point of it. But. Right. But whispering loud is also a whole different thing.
0: Oh, oh, and a lot of students that try to cover artists that sound whispery, get themselves in a heck of a lot of, of vocal trouble until I tell them, this that was the gear. They're not really whispering.
2: It's right? Mm-hmm. Because how are you going to do If you don't have that compressor up to a million and multiple of them, how are you going to do that live? You just can't. Right, right. And that's, what's, that's another reason that like gear is so interesting because... Yeah. Having that live the live ability to have multiple compressors for a whisper st- style artist, yeah. yeah, it makes it possible because yeah, you're like, oh, well, I would never go see them because they're gonna not sound good at all. But right. they
0: do. Right. I was just working with a client in Europe who really likes that very whispery kind of thing, and
1: like uh, the Billy Eilish she stuff. Got,
0: yeah. yeah, like the whole yeah. genre, <clears throat> except she was really whispering everything and she got in so much vocal trouble. I think her rib cage became, there's, there's a, I forgot the term for it, but her literal rib cage had issues, physical issues that is going to take a physical therapist or manual therapist to work out. I've never heard of it. It's something having to do, I think, with the cartilage in the ribs. But from oh, wow.
2: it's not, not popcorn. No, that's-, the that's effort.
0: And so, yes, whispering's bad for your voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. And, I,
0: I- and if voiceover people need to do it because they really need to do it, then they need to do some vocal recovery exercises after their session.
2: Yeah. Right. And not push it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Right.
0: Well, guys, let's do this some more. I appreciate you so much. So glad to know about you up there. Where can people find you?
1: My Insta is earworm and uh, earworm
0: ny is a
1: new and York. also our our website is earwormny.com. Uh, mm-hmm. and there you can see a lot of our work
2: and I'm at a cat k a t rayo r a i o rende r e n d e cat rayo rende that's my ah, gotcha that right okay and guys
0: look for the podcast notes there'll be all these links oh, so yeah. that you can find them and so you guys take care and. We'll see you down the road, quite literally. Definitely. Pretty soon. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm so excited for your show. Thank you. All right. Well, take care and we'll see you down the road. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And that's the end of part two of my interview with the Rindis. Again, their website is earwormny.com. Look for the links in the notes. It's been amazingly rewarding getting to know these two. When we needed local singers for the reading of our musical Runaway Home in New York City, Kat connected me with some of the city's best. And now I'm extremely honored to be working with her phenomenal voice in some online lessons. I hope you've enjoyed listening. This is Judy Rodman of JudyRodman.com. We'll see you next time for All Things Vocal, the podcast for voices with messages that matter.